We are going through the book of Luke. This is what we do here when we come together. This isn't an entertainment thing. Uh, this is the time where we worship God and just get some teaching. And the whole goal is to walk out of here a little bit more kingdom than we came. And so we just systematically go through uh, Scripture. We might as well say it out loud that because that, everyone experiences this, but sometimes reading the Bible is difficult. Sometimes hard to understand. There are parts that are confusing. There's historical backgrounds that you may not know. You know, so on your own, you should just do the best you can. But it's also why the Bible puts a real emphasis on the role of teaching in the church where you break open the word and, and, and you, you just kind of delve into it. So that's what we're doing here on the weekends, and we're taking our time going through the book of Luke. Uh, we're going to now, after having spent uh, four weeks on the previous seven verses, we're now going to uh, bite off another seven verses. So we're reading from Luke chapter 1, verse 18 through 25, and I'm entitling this message, The Good News Revolution. And I'm reading from the TNIV version. As you know, Zechariah is in the inner court while the people are in the outer court. They're praying while he's burning incense as a symbol of God's satisfaction with their prayer, their worship, and their sacrifices. And then an angel shows up and tells Zechariah that even though he's old and his wife is very old, they're going to bear a son. And, and he's going to be great in the eyes of God. And he's going to be really the, the uh, initiator of the revolution that's going to start taking place and what is now, at this point, the beginning of the last epoch of world history, which what the Bible calls the last days. And so the angel tells him this news, and then Zechariah says this. See, he asks the angel, how can I be sure of this? I mean, look, angel, if you didn't notice, I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. I, you know, this isn't easy to believe. Now, what Zechariah is asking for is proof right here and right now, because obviously, if he would have just waited until he got home and had relations with his wife, he would have found out soon enough that the angel was telling the truth. How can you know that this is sure? Well, go home and try it and you'll see. Uh, but what he, what he wants is, is proof right now. He wants a sign right now. And that, by the way, is always discouraged in the Bible. Uh, we're trying to get God to act on our terms when we're supposed to act on his terms. I want a sign. You know, don't go asking for signs. Well, the angel says to him, dude, I'm Gabriel, all right? <laughs> like, I stand in the presence of God. <laughs> uh, you know, he's saying, look, I'm, you know Gabriel, I'm one of the highest ranking angels. I stand in the inner court of God, which just is, it denotes his rank. He's up there. He goes, and I've been sent here to speak to you, which ought to make you grateful in and of itself. But not only that, but I'm here to tell you this good news. I'm Gabriel, I'm a high ranking angel. I'm here to talk to you. I'm here to give you good news. And this is the reception I get? what he's saying. But if you want a sign, you got a sign. So here's what he goes on to say. Okay, you want a sign? Here's your sign. You'll be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. So you got your sign, but you also receive punishment for your lack of faith and, and your disobedience. He, he, at this point now, Zechariah uh, his mouth will be stopped from proclaiming the good news of what's happening uh, to him. Meanwhile, it says the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. Uh, customarily, the priest would come out and then give the benediction, and that was, this, that, that was the, the cue to everybody, okay, this service is over. Normally, the services lasted about an hour, and they had two of them a day, uh, six in the morning and three in the afternoon. But uh, Zechariah didn't come out right away because he's dialoguing with this angel. And so the people are wondering, when's the service going to end? It's kind of going over. Uh, and when he comes out, he can't speak to them. The people immediately realized that he had seen a vision. Something happened in that inner court. 
For he kept making signs to them, but he remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. The time of service, we know from history, was probably two weeks. The priests would serve two weeks out of every year in the temple. They had different, as I've mentioned before, different uh, groups of priests. They'd have duty taking care of the temple, offering the sacrifices and whatnot. And then they would go home. Uh, it says in verse 39 of chapter 1 that Zechariah lived in the hill country of Judea, which means he was a farmer, about a day's travel. So once a year, he would leave his farm work, come, do his priestly duties, be away from his wife, and then he'd go back and uh, pick up his farming uh, again. Once he gets home, his wife becomes pregnant and for five months remains in seclusion. And we're not told why she stayed in seclusion. Uh, there wasn't any known custom uh, back then that wives were supposed to do this. And maybe just that she was of such an age that she was uh, worried about losing the child if she was out and about in public life. But in any case, case she stayed in, in seclusion. But she did have incredible faith, for she proclaims right off the get-go that the Lord has done this for me. And these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. The disgrace was the fact that in, in ancient Judaism, uh, for a woman not to be able to have children was, it was, first of all, was considered the woman's fault, always. Uh, it was a very sexist culture. And secondly, it was, it was taken as evidence that the Lord wasn't having favor on you, that there's something wrong in your life. Uh, and so at this point, when the good news comes and the good news begins to become a reality in Elizabeth and Zechariah's life, the disgrace that they bore is done away with. So I want to speak on the Good News Revolution that was inaugurated with this passage. I want to pray for the message. Could I get some people around the auditorium to keep me covered in prayer as the message is going forth? Just uh, be a prayer warrior of mine. Okay, I appreciate that. Let's pray. Father, uh, the only reason why we do this is that we might get something that will empower us to be more free than we were, uh, more passionate than we were, more sold out than we were, more living the kingdom life than we were when we came. And God, that's not something that words can do. Uh, so, Spirit of God, we ask you, not as a formality, uh, not because it's the religious thing you do before you preach, but because we really need you. We ask you to come and fill these words with your authority. And most of all, Lord, I pray that, that for some here, maybe the, the coin would drop in the slot for the first time, that the good news is really good. It's really good. It's not religious news. It's not legal news. It's not got to do news. It's good news. And make that come alive to us. I pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. These seven verses that we just looked at center on, most scholars argue that the, it, 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 the center of these seven verses is the proclamation of Gabriel that he was sent to give Zechariah good news. It's really the, the, the center of this text. Most scholars argue, and I think quite rightly, that the, this is the first time that the word good news is used in the New Testament, at least chronologically, first time in the book of, of Luke. It will become very shortly the main way that the kingdom of God is described. And so most scholars argue that the phrase good news as used by Gabriel is sort of a foreshadowing of the good news that's going to come with Jesus Christ. In the same way that John the Baptist, the good news of John the Baptist being born, John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus, so also the good news that's being announced here, it really has a, a, a wider 
uh, application than just that Zechariah and Elizabeth are going to be able to finally in their old age have children. Rather, it's, it's a foreshadowing of the good news that is coming. The good news is the ultimate way that the message and the life and the ministry of Jesus is described. Everything Jesus taught and everything Jesus did and everything Jesus believed and everything Jesus accomplished can be summed up in this phrase, good news, which is why it's, it's so frequently mentioned in the New Testament. In fact, the word gospel in Greek means good news, euangelion. It's announcing something good. It's good news. Uh, the gospel of Luke is the good news as it's told by Luke and the good news as it's told by Matthew and the good news as it's told by Mark and by John. So th this is a centrally important concept to, to the revolution that's coming. The nature of the revolution is that it's about good news. Now you find it all throughout the Bible. Even in the Old Testament, there were times when things got really negative and bad looking down where God would drop little hints that there's coming an epic, an era, the last stage of world history called the last days where it will all be about good news. And so, for example, in Isaiah 61, in a, the, the classic messianic prophecy of the Old Testament pertaining to good news, Isaiah has this, and it's in the mouth of the Messiah. The Lord, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He sent me to bring, here's the phrase, good news to the oppressed. And good news to bind up the brokenhearted and good news to proclaim liberty to the captives and good news about releasing the, 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 the prisoners. And so in the Old Testament, they look forward to this epic of good news when there's going to be all this freedom stuff happening. Then throughout the New Testament, we find it. The, the angel Gabriel mentions it for the first time. Good news. And that would harken back to Isaiah 61. This is the beginning of that which has been foretold. The good news era is coming. The good news revolution is coming. Later on, the, angels are, uh, the angel uh, talks to the shepherds you know, to announce that Christ is, is being born. And the shepherds are freaked out, as people often are, when they confront an angelic presence. But it says in Luke chapter 2, the angel says, Don't be afraid. Look, I'm bringing good news of great joy for all people. I'm on your side. I, I got good stuff to tell you. You know, Rejoice with me on this. In the next chapter, it says of John the Baptist that he proclaimed good news to the people that the kingdom of God was coming. And then in the first message that Jesus ever preached in the synagogue, his first public sermon, he applies to himself what we just read in Isaiah 61. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim good news to prisoners, they're going to, to captives, they're going to be released. Good news to the blind, their sight's going to be recovered. Good news to the oppressed, they're going to go free. And then he sums up what he's talking about when he says, I've been sent for this reason, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now that phrase, the year of the Lord's favor, was a phrase that was always used to describe the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee in the Old Testament was this. Once every 50 years, twice a century, the Jews were to take the whole year off. Uh, it, it was a, a Sabbath year. And during that year of Jubilee, all debts, whatever you owed, was canceled. It, the, 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 the slate was wiped clean. And all prisoners, all captives, all of them were set free. Once every 50 years, Israel was for the entire year to live the way that God always wanted the creation to be, you see? Now, what we find out in the ministry of Jesus is he, he tags, on, tags on that phrase to the Isaiah 61 prophecy as he's saying, 
that year of Jubilee was a type, a type uh, that anticipated what I'm going to be doing in my ministry, the era that I'm initiating. I'm here to bring about that year of Jubilee, the year of the Lord's favor, the year of the cancellation of debts, the year of the forgiveness of sins, the year of the release of prisoners, but it's not just going to last a year. No, it's going to be an entire revolution, and it's going to last for this whole last epic of world history. And so he goes out proclaiming the good news. A few verses later, uh, he tells his disciples that he's got to preach good news of the kingdom of God. It's good news. To the other cities also. i got to get this message out. For I was sent for this purpose. The revolution that Jesus came to bring is all about good news. One way that you can know that you're hearing the truth is that it's good. Uh, it, it's, it, it's the good news. It's not religious news. It's not legal news. It's not autogata should do news. It's good news. It's news of freedom. It's news of forgiveness. I want us to get in on this concept of good news because it's so central in Scripture. Think about what it is to have good news. I want to bring out two aspects of, of what makes good news good. First of all, something is good news when it's outside of your control. There's nothing you could do about it, but it turned to your advantage. Good news is not something that you can achieve. It's not something that you can manufacture. It's something that was out of your control and it turned to your advantage. You can't achieve it. You can only receive it. Back years ago when I was healthy and young and skinny, I used to run these ultra marathons, which are 50, 60, 100 mile races. I was, something was wrong in my head. And I actually won one of them. I, I won a race. <laughs> uh, uh, it was a 50 mile race up in northern Minnesota. And I crossed the finish line. Eight hours. Eight hours and five minutes. It took me to run. It was, oh, it was incredible. But it was a wild race. I won this thing. And I was surprised by that, but it would have been weird if the uh, race director would have come up and said, hey, I got good news, you won. Because I, my response would be, well, that's not news. <laughs> I'm the one who did it. <laughs> it's like, I just ran eight hours. Yeah, duh. See, it's not being reported to me. It was totally in my control. I achieved this victory. So it's not good news. It, you know, it, it's not unexpected. It's, it's what I expected. I, I, I won this thing. Now, if I'd been racing and there was a guy ahead of me, a long way ahead of me, so I, I thought I was racing for second place. I finish the race, and now the race director comes up and says, hey, I got good news, you won. Because the guy who was in first place dropped out two miles from the end. Now that'd be good news, because it was unexpected. Something that was out of my control turned to my advantage, and now it's good news. Uh, that part I couldn't achieve. Uh, I was totally dependent on the guy dropping out for me to, to win the race. Good news is something that's beyond your control. Uh, it's not something that you achieve. And it always produces joy. When you hear good news, it, because it's something out of your control, turning to your advantage, it has to produce joy in you. I remember the time when uh, we were moving, we were, we were trying to acquire this building, and, and we needed uh, four out of five city council members to vote to rezone this property because they were going to lose city property tax on it. Something that city councils are never real happy to do in the, the, the first place. But we needed four out of five. Four out of five council members were new that year on the city council. In fact, as I recall, this was their first city council meeting, so they're newbies. Okay, this is their first meeting. And the one council member who was a veteran, who was a carryover from the previous administration, had already told us that he's going to vote against uh, the, the rezoning. He doesn't want us in this place. So it's not looking really good. So Bob Cutchell, who was the head of our building program at that time, and I went to the city council meeting as well as some other people, and we made the best case we could that we'll be good for the city. We're going to bless the city. We're going to be using your restaurants. Oh, this is going to be great. You want us here, don't you? We did the best we could. 
But then we just had to let it go, and that was out of our control, and now the city members had to, to vote. One by one, they came back with a yes vote. Yes, 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 and then holding our breath, biting our nails, and praying hard. We got that last vote, yes. And when we did, there was joy. There was joy. Bob Cutchell is a, a pretty staid, stoic, reserved kind of guy, but he jumped out of his seat. He, he, he kind of denies this, or at least tries to minimize it. But we were on cable television, too. And, and we both jumped out. We start hugging and, and kind of jumping around. And I kissed the guy, you know, right? public television. You know, <laughs> you know? But there's that joy. It's like, we got it. You know, who would have thought? It was out of our control. It was unexpected, but it turned to our advantage. That's good news. You know, I, I, there's a family I heard of that their daughter was in Indonesia on December 26th when the tsunami hit. Uh, she was doing a missions trip. For, for two days, they thought she might have drowned in that tsunami, uh, but then they got a phone call uh, that she was all right. That was good news. It was out of their control, but it turned out in their favor. That's good news. Or you go to the doctor because there's a growth, and, and the doctor says it's cancer, but then they, they go and operate on it. It turns out that it's not cancer. It's, it's benign. That's good news. You've been trying to get pregnant, and you finally get pregnant. That's good news. You qualified for your new house. That's, that's good news. You got promoted. That's, that's really good news. Uh, you invested in some stock, and it went through the ceiling, and now you're rich. That's good news for you and for the church. Hallelujah. You know, <laughs> it's a... Uh, you see, that, 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 that's what, what, what good news does. It's out of your control, but it turns to your advantage. When Zechariah heard that even though he was old, he was going to have a child, even though his, daughter, his, his wife was old, she was going to bear a son, that, that was good news, and it ought to be celebrated. But see, this leads to my second point, and that's that the good news is only good when you realize that the bad news was possible. And the more possible the bad news is, the better the good, good news is for coming through. And the best news is when you were absolutely certain of the bad news. You following that? Uh, it, it's because, it, it, it's precisely because it looked like we weren't going to get that vote, that when we got the vote, uh, it was really, really good news. It was surprising. It's because you knew that it's possible, maybe even likely, that your daughter was killed in that tsunami, that when you hear that she wasn't killed, that it, it's such good news. It's because you really thought the growth was cancer, that when you found out that it wasn't cancer, it's really, really good news. To appreciate the good news, you've got to be aware of and understand the reality of the bad news. The good news is only good when it contrasts with the bad. Now, here's the problem that we face in this culture when it comes to to proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. The good news, the problem in this culture is that a lot of people, a, a, a remarkable number of people, don't really believe there's that much bad news. Their life is doing pretty good, and, and it seems like we have an incredible capacity to build a little illusory oasis around ourselves and block out the evil in the world, and so we think the world's pretty good, and our life is pretty good, and things are going pretty good, and there's not really that much bad news out there. Oh, yeah, the world's not perfect, but, but it's not that bad. And see, if that's your frame of reference, then what happens is when you, when, if and when you believe in Jesus, you don't believe in him like the, the good news that saved you from the really, really terrible news. Uh, you don't believe him as, as the source of your life that you cling to. If your worldview is that things are pretty positive right now, well then, if you believe in Jesus, he just makes the already good news a little bit better. You see, it's sort of an addendum. Uh, you know, it's easy if you have that worldview to sort of Get Jesus as sort of a religious trinket that you put up on the shelf and take down when you need him or take down when it's socially appropriate on holidays or, or something like that. Uh, you, you don't cling to him as a source of life if, if, if uh, you don't really appreciate the bad news. A lot of people in our culture, 
especially the last couple decades. There's been a movement of incredible optimism, in some quarters at least, where people really believe that we've entered into the new age. You've heard this phrase. There's a new age. There's a new level of consciousness that is occurring in humanity. And uh, we are getting more and more spiritual and we are growing, uh, you know, in terms of our capacity for peace and meditating on and visualizing world peace and, and uh, picturing calm blue oceans. And we're, we're, we're really evolving out of our violent past and through technology where the world's getting better and better and, and won't be long before we'll cure cancer and cure AIDS and, and solve world hunger. The, things are getting better and better and better. And see, if you hold that worldview, then, then if you believe in Jesus, it's only going to be sort of as a nice icing on the cake kind of a thing. And I don't want to rain on anyone's party, and I don't like being negative, but see, unless you see the bad news for being as bad as it is, you're never going to really appreciate and sell out and passionately grasp the good news. So I've got to tell you some bad news, all right? Sorry. Uh, I don't want to rain on your parade, but... Uh, the real news is that the world is probably far worse off and in a more dangerous spot than you or I can right now possibly imagine. The reality is, if Scripture is any authority in your life, it's not the case that we're really improving, that we're basically decent people who just happen to be misinformed once in a while. The Bible says that, that we're sinners. That's the word it uses uh, not a popular world today, but, but it, it's, it's the true word. Well, the Bible says we're alienated from God by nature. The Bible says we are as a race and individually alienated from God. We're estranged from him. The Bible says our hearts are desperately wicked, Jeremiah 17, 3, and that our imagination is polluted. And I don't think you even need to go to the Bible to, to see this. Just look around. Get out of our little illusory oasis and look at the world the way the world really is. And, and I think you'll see that there's some nasty, nasty stuff going down. Now, there's also good stuff. And I don't mean to minimize that. I mean, we are making progress. There are pockets of progress in some areas. And, and, and we ought to keep working for that. And, and there are people striving for peace. You know, there, there's this AIDS concert that, that's going on this weekend. And that's a good thing where they're raising money for, for AIDS and, to, and poverty in South Africa. And, and, and science is, is making some breakthroughs. Praise God for that. And we ought to keep trying to cure cancer and trying to cure AIDS and working for world peace. I absolutely believe that. And thank God for every inch of progress we make. But if you take a broad picture of this, a broad look at this, I think you'll see that the world, on the whole, it's still got a lot of bad news to it. The last century was the century of science, scientific advancements. The 20th century was the era of science where we made more, I mean, just incredible leaps forward in terms of our technology. And that has had a lot of improvements in people's lives. But it's also the case that the 20th century was the most barbaric century humanity's ever seen by a long shot. 250,000 people were killed by war. 250 million, more than 250 million people were killed by war in the 20th century. Science has brought a lot of good stuff, but it's also the case that there hasn't been a scientific invention that hasn't directly or at least indirectly been used to kill people. Are we really getting smarter? We're getting smarter in terms of technology, but we're not getting wiser in how to use it, which just makes us more dangerous. You see, there's a downside to scientific progress. The lifestyle, it's true that science and technology has improved the lifestyle of multitudes of people, and people on average are living longer and eating better and enjoying more conveniences. That's true. But it's also the case that most of that is reserved for people who happen to live in first world countries. Third world countries don't see a whole lot of that. 
In fact, in the last 45 years, the gulf between the, high, the richest percentage and the poorest percentage of people on the planet grew tenfold in the last 45 years. The gulf between them grew tenfold. Uh, I, I don't know that we're really getting more generous as, as, as a race. The average American gives one-third now to churches and charities compared to what they gave 45 years ago. The United States as a nation gives one-tenth of the percentage that it gave 45 years ago to help other countries, to, to help developing countries. Poverty is still widespread all over the place because of that. We, give a, we, give, we actually give more money than we gave 45 years ago, but it's a much lower percentage. Globally, even after the Cold War, First world countries spend hundreds of times more on devices to kill people than we do on trying to feed people. Hundreds of times more. Which is why today, 30,000 kids will die of diseases related to malnutrition. That is insanity. It's insane. And yet we can't seem to find a way to do it differently. Is it really the case that we're evolving, that things are getting better and better, that, that, that we're becoming more and more spiritually enlightened? I, I, I don't see it. I think the bad news is what it's always been, and it, it's not substantially changed. We could look at a lot of different sins like that. Choose any area you want. Racism. Uh, you know, the, the, we've made some good strides forward in the last 45 years thanks to the civil rights movement, and, and, and racism isn't as overt and violent as it used to be. But you ask any person of color, and it's likely they'll tell you that racism has not gone away, not by a long shot. White folks, we usually don't see it because it doesn't impact us, but it's all over the place. Racism is still alive and well on this planet. In this culture, however, it's just gone stealth. It's, it, it's become invisible. It's gotten a little more sinister. Uh, it's become transparent, especially to the people who perpetrate it, and they don't even know they're perpetrating it. The bad news is still pretty bad. You see, and the reason why the world has not substantially changed, why human beings are not substantially changed, is because the root issue, the, the core problem has not been addressed and cannot be addressed. Because the core problem is beyond anything technology can solve. It's beyond anything human wisdom can solve. It's beyond anything that our striving can solve. The core problem is the human heart. The human heart is estranged from God. It's alienated from God. It's at war with God. It is fallen. It is diseased. It is polluted. And so we may get smarter and wiser in some areas, but the core issue is, is still there. The root problem has not gone away. And I don't say this to be just a bummer on July 3rd. I, I, I do it because unless you appreciate the bad news, you can never really appreciate the good news. But if you're willing to see the bad news, then I got some really good news for you. It's good news that you wouldn't have expected. It's good news that you couldn't have achieved. Uh, it, it's the good news that was foreshadowed by the angel Gabriel. If you're, if you're willing to look at the world realistically and accept the bad news, then this good news is better news than that Zechariah is going to have a son or even that your growth turned out to be not cancerous or even that your stock went through the ceiling and now you're rich. It's better news even than hearing that your daughter survived the tsunami in Indonesia. In fact, if you really understand the bad news, if you're realistically, realistic as you look at this world and understand the bad news, then the, 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 the news that was announced by the angel Gabriel is the best news you could possibly imagine. Because here's the essence of this good news. God did not give up on us. Amen. We abandoned God as a race and individually, but he didn't abandon us. 
We rejected God, but God did not reject us. Uh, we, we ran away from God. We turned our back and ran from God, wanting to be lords of our own life and do our own thing. But God didn't turn around and run from us. In fact, he, throughout history, has been running towards us. God, even though we despised him, he didn't despise us. In fact, his unwavering, passionate love for us has stayed the same. He loves us with an unsurpassable love. That's good news. He loves us to the point of becoming a human being and dying for us. That's good news. He loves us to the point of doing whatever it took to get the devil off of our back. That's good news. He loves us to the point of doing whatever it took to free this creation. Uh, that's good news. He loved us to the point of doing whatever it took to proclaim the epic of Jubilee. When all debts are, for, are, are, are released and all the captives are set free. And that's good news. Because it means that now we are in a position where our sins can be forgiven. And the bondage of our life can be broken. And, and the debt that we owed is, it, we're released from. And our spiritual sight is restored. That's good news. That's the best news. That's the greatest news you could ever hear. Amen. But only if you appreciate, only if you appreciate the bad news. If you know what the bad news was, man, the good news is just mind-boggling fantastic. I was, I was going to hell, but now I'm going to heaven. That's good news. <laughs> you know, I was destined for the garbage dump, uh, Gehenna, outside of Jerusalem, but now I'm not. I'm going to reign with Christ forever. That's good news to me. I was under condemnation, but now I'm forgiven. My life was empty, but now it's full. I was estranged from God, but now, now I'm intimate with God. He's on the inside of me, and I'm on the inside of him. That's good news. Uh, my relationship with my creator has been restored. That's good news. You know, uh, my, my life, which was so meaningless and futile, just taking up time until I die, now it's got purpose and meaning and significance because I'm working with God to build his kingdom on earth. See, that's good news. And if you're here this morning, if you haven't joined this good news party, I encourage you to do so. Jump on the bandwagon. Become part of what's going on in this world. Join the best news that's ever been told. It's good news. It's heart. It's nature. It's essence is good news. It's good news. God set in motion a revolution. When Jesus Christ came into this world, died, and rose again, a revolution began. That's the good news revolution. And it's a revolution that cannot lose. Uh, there's no way this thing can be thwarted. Doesn't, doesn't matter what the evidence suggests right now. On Good Friday, it never looks like Easter's coming, but Easter's coming. This good news revolution cannot lose. It's a revolution that will eventually... Uh, do what human thinking and human ingenuity can never do. It cures the human heart. It's a revolution that will eventually end all wars. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's a revolution that will eventually bring the peace that God always wanted to be here on the creation. It's a revolution that will eventually eradicate all sin out of this world and eradicate all racism out of this world, eradicate all hatred out of this world, eradicate all the walls that human beings have ever set up towards one another from this world, eradicate all the walls that we ever set up between us and God from this world. This revolution, this revolution, it's set in motion. It's good news because it ultimately is going to transform the world to be the kind of world that God wanted it to be. Where there's no more sickness and there's no more death and there's no more heartache there's no more murders and there's no more violence. That's good news. That's good news. Amen. Now, I bet some of you are going to clap louder than that tomorrow night when the fireworks go off because you're celebrating the American Revolution. This is the weekend we celebrate the, the good news of the American Revolution, and that's fine, and that's wonderful, and that's great. 
but folks, I got a word for you. Uh, the revolution I'm talking about here makes the good news of the American Revolution look like bad news. Uh, that, that's little kid picnic news. The news that we're talking about is the real good news. Because you know what? America, America will come, praise God, but America will go. Uh, empires come and empires go. Revolutions rise and revolutions fall. They use violence to get there and violence ultimately overthrows them and that's been running the world since day one. And kings will come and kings will go. Tyrants will come and tyrants will go. Ideologies will come and ideologies will go. Programs will come and programs will go. The nations will rise and the nations will fall but the kingdom of God will last forever. Hallelujah. Set the fireworks off. Boom, 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 boom. Displays, fireworks. That's the good news I'm talking about. It's an era of jubilee. See, if you buy into that, if you believe that good news, it will just change the way you look at the world. It just changes the way you look at the world. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Have you ever noticed this? This is the odd thing about good news, is that the better it is, the harder it is to believe. That's why some of you are out there saying, uh, it sounds like pie-in-the-sky stuff. It's, not, it's too good to be true. I understand that. The, hard, the, the better the news is, uh, the harder it is to believe. We can understand why Zechariah, even though Gabriel himself is standing in front of him, you know, shining like the noonday sun, why he couldn't accept that he was going to have a kid. I mean, all of his life, he's been trying. It's been no good, and... He stopped 15 years ago because he's too old. And now the angel says, you're going to have a son. And it, it was like, what? It, it, did you read the memo? Look, look, look at, I'm old. You know, I, I, we can't, we, it's not going to happen. The better the news is, the harder it is to believe. When we were getting into this building, trying to raise up money to, to buy this building, uh, and we need $4 million. And we've never been a real rich congregation I don't know why that is, but, but, but we, you know, we, 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 we do the best we can, but we just haven't had those, what they call them, people with deep pockets, you know. And uh, we keep praying, Lord, bring them our way. Well, we're happy. God bless them. We want them. But, but you know, that, that's just what it is. And, and so for us to raise this money was going to be near impossible. In fact, uh, we raised $1 million, which is three times more than what our fundraiser said we were going to do. So that was a major achievement, $1 million, but we're still $3 million short. Now, some, God does some things, and Kmart ends up putting in $2.5 million. That's a miracle. That's good news. But we're still a half million dollars short. What are we going to do here? <laughs> well, there's only one thing you do. You pray. And uh, so you're praying. Now, there was a young lady in our congregation uh, whose father, this isn't the church he regularly attends, uh, but the, the ministry has impacted her in some ways. And she went back to her father and said, Dad, I, I think you're supposed to help Woodland Hills Church get in this building. I think you know, God told me to tell you Woodland Hills Church is going to get, in, you're supposed to help them get into this building. And he called me up, uh, to make a long story short, sometime later, and he says, well, I got some good news for you. God told me I'm supposed to give you the half million dollars you need to get into that building. No, no, here, see, that's good news. That's very good news. And part of me wanted to do the jig and dance through the ceiling, and that's the part I let out. But there's a part of me that was like, you know, I, I'm, really? I, I, you're on the line with me here? You're not jerking me around. This isn't a practical joke. I've had those played on me before. I don't like them. You're talking straight with me. This is real. This is reality here, right? You're promising this. It's hard to believe. When the good news is that good, it's like, I, I can't believe this. Now, here's the thing. Here's the point. Sometimes not believing the good news because it seems too good to be true means you're cut out of the good news. It has negative effects on you. Zechariah, because 
Because it seemed too good to be true and he wouldn't believe it, look what happened. His mouth was silenced in terms of his ability to celebrate the good news once it, went, once it came about. Uh, other people, you know, when Elizabeth starts showing and, and she starts announcing that she's pregnant, man, people are screaming and hollering and all that kind of stuff. But here's the father. All he can go is... <laughs> and see, back in those days, they didn't have what we have today. He could have went like this. <laughs> That's what I do. When I'm worshiping, I don't know how to whistle, but I love to whistle, so I got to whistle. But <laughs> either, he maybe got blow horns or, or whatever, but... but uh, you know, his mouth was silenced in proclaiming the good news because of his lack of faith. Sometimes not, not being willing to believe the good news, uh, it, it dampens at least the good news in terms of your life, in terms of speaking it, in terms of displaying it. What if I would have said to this man who said, I, I got good news, I'm going to give you half a million dollars to get in that building. What if I would have said, like Zechariah, yeah, uh, right, you know what, uh, that never happens to us. <laughs> We've never had that happen to us. And Okay, I want a sign. Show me the money right now. Drive over and show me the money. What if I would have had that attitude? He might have responded like, Gabriel, dude, I come here. I know this is good news to you, and this is the kind of treatment I get. You know, take a hike. I mean, I would have understood. Take a hike, you know. Or even if he would have come through on this, I could see if I stayed in that unbelief until we actually got the money, I wouldn't have had any joy. I would have just been cynical. And then boom, I would have been surprised when we got it. But why wait till you get it to start enjoying it? You see, as it was, we could spend a whole year celebrating this whole thing because we believed it was coming. Uh, sometimes when you don't believe the good news, it, it hinders your life. And that's the principle of the kingdom. Often the gospel seems too good to be true. It seems too good to be true. But see, if you don't believe it, then it's likely it won't be manifested as true for you. It's very important that we believe God on his word and not question him, even when it seems, and especially because, and especially when it seems too good to be true. It's not easy for me sometimes to believe that God's going to win this thing. Honestly, you look at the world, and, and there's so much pain, and there's so much woe, and it, 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 there's so little evidence of progress, and it's like, God, how, how are you ever going to win this thing? And I look at the church, and sometimes that's even more discouraging because there's so much, you know, judgment that, 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 that seems to be going on. And uh, it's just hard to believe that love's going to win in the end. And living the Christ-like lifestyle is furthering the kingdom of God or, or doing much of anything. But see, if you, live, if you live believing that it's too good to be true, and so you don't believe it, so you, then you're just stuck with this world. And that, that means that the joy and the optimism and the positive, positivism and the confidence of the kingdom will not be manifest in your life. Your unbelief is going to silence your mouth and silence your life to proclaim the good news because you're not believing it. But see, when you believe it, and I've struggled with this one, just like, like how is this thing ever going to turn around? If, when you don't believe it, then you're not, you're not filled with joy and you're not filled with a, a motivation to, to work with God. You know, your, your motivation's gone. A lot of times people just fall into a depression. They create a little oasis around them just to block out the problems in the world and they're just going to die. We're going to live like this in this little oasis and then I'll die and go to heaven. That's all there is to be said. But see, when you really believe, when you really believe that, in fact, though it's a mustard seed and we can't always see it, but you believe that, in fact, God is going to win that the revolution will take over the world and that war will come to an end and that someday every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. When you really believe that, that in the end the creation will be the way God wants it to be, well, you know what I, I found is it just changes your outlook on everything. I can look at every situation 
And what I see may be ugly, and what I see may be sinful, and what I see may be hopeless. But I know that God is at work in every person, in every situation, in every circumstance. And he's working to bring about his kingdom, you see? And, and it may be that God will invite me to participate in the building of his kingdom. I think last night was a classic example of that. Oh, here's a door, and God will, will, will move you through it. But that means that I can look at every person on this planet, and I can look at every situation, and I can look at every circumstance, and I can have hope. I can have hope. Because you know what? It's not based on the evidence of what I see. It's not based on the, the way the world appears. It's not based on me, and it's not based on the church. It's based on Jesus Christ. And the truest thing about Jesus Christ is he always looks too good to be true, amen? It doesn't look like it on Good Friday, but I gotta tell you, Easter is coming. And I encourage you to have that faith, have an Easter faith, have, have, a, have Easter eyes, look at the world through Easter eyes. And now that negativity and that cynicism begins to dissipate and you can look at the world, not with a Pollyanna, la, 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 la thing, but with a sense of optimism. Because you know that, that the evil you see, the ugliness you see, the sin that you see, the pain that you see, it's not the last word. Calvary and the resurrection is the last word. God wins in the end. That's the good news. Believe it. Believe it. Believe it. And I know some people here... Some people have trouble believing the good news that they're really loved the way, the way Calvary suggests that they're loved. It applies to other people and not to me. And some people have trouble believing the good news. It seems too good to be true that you could be that loved. It seems too good to be true that you could be forgiven for the terrible, terrible, heinous thing that you did. It seems too good to be true that you could ever be freed from the bondage that you're in right now. It just all seems too good to be true. Too good to be true that you could ever overcome the negativity in your life or the fear problem in your life or the anger in your life seems too good to be true. It applies to other people, but not to me. You see, I got these if, ands, and buts, and here's why it doesn't apply to me. And see, that lack of faith, like Zechariah, will just stop up your mouth. You will be a, you'll be a mute person when it comes to that aspect of the kingdom. Now, it will, become, it will come true for you in the point of time, uh, as it did for Zechariah, but that means you're gonna just going to live your life waiting for that to come true. When what God wants is for you right here and right now to manifest the reality of the kingdom. To, it, you know what? It, 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 it's true about you. You really are loved that much. Oh, if you can believe it, it will change your life. You'll begin to manifest it according to your faith, be it unto you. Don't let your unbelief silence your mouth. And, and you really are forgiven. I know what you did maybe was absolutely heinous and unrecoverable and, and, and damaged a lot of people, but, but, but God's bigger than that. God's bigger than that. And, and if you can just believe it, it's going to change your life. You can walk out of prison. The captive can be set free. You can, you can begin dancing in this year of Jubilee instead of sitting on the sidelines watching others dance, getting the game, getting the dance. It's true for you. And, and, and the, the, the problem that you've been struggling with all your life, don't let that have the last word. No, no, the last word is Jesus Christ. And, and, and here's what's true about you. You're living the year of Jubilee, and the Holy Spirit's available to you, and you can begin to walk in the power of that, but it will never happen unless you step out of faith and believe that. You can't achieve it, but you can receive it, and that's what God wants you to do. Just accept it, just believe it, just, just walk in it, just dream it, just begin living it. And now the kingdom begins to be manifest in your life. Don't let unbelief mute you in terms of the kingdom. Of course it seems too good to be true. That's, that's why it's Jesus. <laughs> that's why it's Jesus Christ. Uh, the sign, if you need a sign, here's the sign. He rose from the dead. That's the sign. Don't, don't go looking for little trinket signs. Oh, show me a sign in a cloud or something like that. God doesn't like to operate that way. Uh, he, he operates on his terms, not ours. His, his, here's his terms. Jesus rose from the dead. 
And I've got all the reasons to believe that in the world, and that's why I know Good Friday. I don't even want to pay attention to Good Friday. I got it sometimes, but Good Friday's ugly. Good Friday, when the world's a mess. Oh, yeah, there's not a lot of evidence that the kingdom's growing. Good Friday, not a lot of evidence that we're, we're, we're making much progress. Good Friday, doesn't look like the kingdom of God's going to win. Good Friday, looks like the wars will go on forever. Good Friday, looks like racism will never come to an end. But I'm telling you, Easter is coming, and that's the good news. Don't wait for it to happen. Start living it now. Start believing it now. Start breathing in now. Make it your life. Close your eyes. and I just want to pray. Close in prayer here. Uh, Lord, as, before I pray, I just want to announce this. If you're here this morning and you want to join this revolution, th th this is the meaning of life. This is what God's up to in this world. I encourage you at the end of our, this service, really now, uh, if, if you want to join this revolution, it's not about any religion thing. It's about selling out to Jesus Christ. Uh, up here to my right and your left there'll be a person at the table who would love to explain to you what that's about and get you started on the kingdom walk. There's no magical prayer to pray. It's a matter of just committing your life to live as a subject and a disciple of Jesus Christ. Uh, the, at the end of the service, the prayer team will be up here. And, and if you have an issue in your life you want to have prayed for, I encourage you to do that. But right now, Father, I just thank you for every person in this auditorium. And I pray, Lord, for those who are not part of the kingdom that you would pull them in right now, that you'd begin to show them that this is life, this is where it's at, this is why they exist, this is the purpose for everything. Pull them in, Lord, pull them in and bring them up to the front of the auditorium as we're dismissed. For others, Lord, all of us have an area of our life where we haven't really believed. We've been Zechariah. It seemed too good to be true. Will you right now show us that area? And Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. Increase our faith to really believe that it's true. It seems too good to be true to our common sense, but you're way better than our common sense. Lord God, increase our faith so that as we walk out of here, Lord God, we do it as people who, unlike Zechariah, we can proclaim the kingdom. We do it with our words. We do it with our thoughts. We do it with our actions. Lord, help us to manifest the full reality of the kingdom in every area of our life. To celebrate the real freedom that you came to bring. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you. Go out and build the kingdom.